This morning we're going to begin a new series from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It's on loving God. And our next series is going to be on loving others. Uh, and that will be based on um, uh, the book of First John. So that will be in October and November, God willing. We'll be looking at that. But we're really going to be focusing in on Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Today, um, I'll be looking at the, the context of that, and we'll begin to land there, and then we'll take that apart in the next few weeks. So I'm going to read just uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 um, as, our, as our sermon text this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is God's word. Let's pray again. O Lord our God, we give you praise that you have revealed yourself to us through your creation and that we can know you and serve you and worship you. We also praise you that you have also revealed to us your word so that we might know you and serve you. And, O Lord, even as you revealed yourself long ago to your people and confirmed this word through Jesus coming into this world, we pray, O Lord, that you would give us hearts that are attentive to it and ready to hear what you would speak to us today. And this we ask in the name of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no question that we have amazing blessings in this land. We have, uh, I think this summer has really impressed that upon me as I had the opportunity to travel and also to talk to a lot of people from other lands. We have a tremendous freedom to go anywhere we want, to start new businesses, to start new jobs, to move wherever we want within this land. And we have prosperity that we can, that really by working hard, um, we can experience blessings uh, we don't have to just work really hard to just survive. We can really thrive here. And we have all kinds of resources in this land. And in many ways, like today, compared to, say, 100 years ago, we have a lot less problems to deal with that our ancestors had to deal with for centuries and millennia. I mean, it's really, truly amazing. But at the same time, there's a lot of challenges. For one, what do we do with all this prosperity? How do we maintain it? And as it increases because of technology that seems to be so complex, what do we do with that? How do we, how do we use that well? Then we also have the issue of other nations and their own ambitions and their own ideas that are different from ours. And then we also face things that we don't know yet. There are threats to health and threats to economy that we haven't even thought of. And then in our own land, even when we try to solve problems, we often find ourselves so stuck in polarization that all we can do is shout at each other. So we face a lot of complex issues. And on a personal level, we, we, we apply these things and we find challenges of how to live a meaningful life. We find challenges in our relationships and with our family. We have concerns for our children and their future. Sometimes we see our children, they've already gone off the rails and we're worried about them. And uh, we may see in ourselves that we have new challenges. We may see declining health, and we see new limits. And then we think about other things we're concerned about. What about our nation? What about our church? What about our denomination? And we might ask ourselves, where do we begin with all that, with all these challenges? Well, go back 3,000 years ago 
And you will see that Israel was, face, it was in a place where they were facing some new challenges. They were getting ready to go into a new land that God was going to give them. And they had to consider, as we think about all the challenges that we face, of new leadership, a whole different way of having to provide for ourselves, let alone having to deal with the fact that there's already people living here and we're supposed to get rid of them, which was kind of a, a daunt, it was certainly a daunting task. What was their most important priority? What were they to focus on in the midst of all these challenges and anxieties? And God told them through Moses. And it was very simple. Love God. That's your priority. It's going to seem so obvious, but I want us to help us think about this a little bit more. Because that was their first priority. And Moses taught them that their blessing in the future did not depend on their skill or wisdom or their abilities, but on their connection with God. And so that's basically what I want you to see this morning, is that in the midst of all these complexities, God said, here's what you focus on. Love God. I want you to see this from reason. I want you to see this from Jesus. And then I want you to see it from Moses. So, what do I mean according to reason? Just from what people can know in general about the world. Now, some people deny the existence of God. And if they deny the existence of God, then obviously... For them, they're not going to think that loving God is the first priority because that would be to love something that doesn't exist. But most of the people in the world that have existed in the world have said there is a God. And if we say that though there is a God, if we believe that there is a God, then wouldn't it be, make sense that it be our highest priority to find out who is this being that made us, that governs all things, that, that has given us everything we have, and wouldn't we want to align our lives with him? Now, humans have recognized this throughout history. You can see that any time that they had to engage in a voyage or a battle or a new reign, what would they do? They would call upon the gods. They would make sacrifices, recognizing that they needed to align themselves with this higher power. Now, in many cases, they got completely wrong who this God was, but they did have the right sense that there was a God who needed to be invoked and worshipped. They understood that. And you can see this also in people's lives. Um, we can see what happens when we don't align ourselves with God. We need something to center our lives around. And what do we do? We often try to center it around relationships, upon money, upon our prosperity, upon our nation, upon politics, upon a church. And, and these things always end up disappointing us. If we throw ourselves into our work, our children never turns out quite like we'd want it to. We need something more stable. And so we see that we need something to center our lives around. And that is, of course, what else could that be other than God himself? And so, if we believe there is a God then wouldn't it make sense that that is where our hearts should go? What could be more important than the one who is ultimate and infinite and above us all and made us and governs us? So what Moses was teaching here was in line with what God has really truly revealed in the hearts of all people. Now, we sometimes suppress this, we sometimes forget it, but it's still there. Now, what is not revealed to all people is who God is. All people know in their heart of hearts that there is a God, 
And even if they suppress that knowledge, as it says in Romans 1, but they don't know who God is. God had to tell them who it is. It's not something we would have come up with by reason that there would be one God who is three persons. We say we believe that there is one God in three persons because God has told us that there, is, there are three persons in the one divine being whom we call Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We also call this the Trinity. And what we see is that, that that's not something that we would have thought of. This is something that God has revealed to us to help us know who he is. And we are privileged to be able to call upon the name of God as he is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because of the revelation that he has given us in his word. And now we know that the second person of the Trinity, the, we said the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Son, the eternal Son of God, became a human being. And why did he become a human being? He became a human being so that he could suffer the wrath of God due to us for our sins, so that we could be forgiven and that he could rise again and raise all those who would believe in him up to eternal glory. And so he's our savior who who died and suffered as a substitute for our sin. But he's not only a, a sacrifice, he's not only a high priest, he's also a prophet. He's also a teacher. And we need to learn from him what our first priority is because he taught us clearly. And so let's see, secondly, our first priority according to Jesus. Now, we see this, interestingly, in a confrontation that he had in, that you can read about in Mark 12. And so many of the leaders of Jesus' day did not really like what Jesus was doing. They felt threatened. They felt loss of power. He challenged them. He showed their weaknesses. And, uh, and the people really liked Jesus and his teaching. And so they felt often envy for it. And so they tried to trap him with various questions. And Jesus was, always had a way of answering these questions in a, in a way that, that left them dumbfounded. Now, one of these teachers of the law, who in, in his day, I mean, somewhat like a pastor, who was a, a teacher of the law, was, um, saw, this, saw what was going on. He said, I'm going to try and ask Jesus a question. And here's what he asked him. Of all the commandments... Which is the most important? In other words, of all the things that God tells us to do, what deserves the most attention and effort? All commands of God are important, right? I mean, obviously, if God tells us something, and he, it's, it's important. And if he gives us a command, it's important and it must be obeyed. But we learn here that there are some commandments that are more important than others. There, there are different levels. Because Jesus tells them, Jesus tells us there's different levels. Here's how he answers. He says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So he says, he quotes this passage and saying, what's the, the most important thing that God tells you to do in the Old Testament? The Bible as he had it at that time. And he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. That's how important Jesus thought it was. But then he also told them there was a second thing, a second commandment that was also important, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to look at that in October 
But these are the two great commandments. And so this is our highest priority, loving God and loving our neighbor. Extremely simple in some ways, but something we easily can forget. Now it's interesting, the teacher of the law who had asked him this question said to him, well said, teacher. He agreed with him. You are right in saying that God is one and that there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So this teacher recognizes that Jesus was right in what he said. And how does Jesus respond to the teacher of the law? He says, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, what is God's kingdom all about? The kingdom of God is about making people who love God and love their neighbor. So when we pray, for example, in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, what are we praying? We're praying that God would cause the world to become filled with people who love God and love their neighbors. That's the kingdom of God. When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, his reign, what does that look like? People loving God and loving their neighbors. And so that's what Jesus said is what the kingdom is all about. Now we have the same, a similar account of, of uh, this passage or the same event recounted in Matthew chapter 22 as well as Mark 12. And we have basically the same, the same type of, of interaction there. But after Jesus says that the first commandment is love the Lord your God and the second commandment is love your neighbors yourself, he says, uh, Matthew adds that Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so, and if you want to know just for reference, um, love your neighbors yourself is found in Leviticus 19.18, by the way. So, but what is Jesus saying? He's saying, so you got this book, the Old Testament, we call it the Old Testament. What's it all about? Loving God, loving our neighbor. That's what all the law and the prophets are all about. Loving God and loving our neighbor. And what's the New Testament about? Loving God, loving our neighbor. And how God comes down to make people, people who love God and love their neighbor. That's what it's all about. So the point is, the message of the Old Testament is essentially the same message as the New Testament. Looks different, feels different at times, but basically it's the same message. That's what Jesus is telling us. And that message is extremely important, to learn to love God and love our neighbor. Now, so that's what, what God revealed through Jesus is also what he revealed through Moses. And so let's look a little bit more closely at the context of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. So in order to understand what Moses is saying here, we need to understand that they were facing at least three big challenges. The first was that they were going into a land that didn't belong to them but belonged to other people but ultimately belonged to God, and God said he was going to give it to them. 
And listen to what, how Moses describes that in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 1. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, and the one the Lord has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them, and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons, or take their daughters for your sons, and so on. For they'll turn your heart away from following the Lord. Pretty harsh command that they had to carry out. And indeed, it wasn't just that it was, that it was a difficult task for anybody to carry out, but it was also that he said, there's seven nations here that are stronger and bigger than you, and you're going to have to defeat them. And so he recognized that in verse 17 that they might get, feel a lot of anxiety over this. Verse 17, he says, You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? Which is, from the standpoint of this book, what they had said 40 years earlier. They had gone up into the land. They looked at all the people, and they said, there's no way we can do it. We give up. And so... That's why they had to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. So this was a big challenge. We should not underestimate this. That this was, this was not going to be easy, and they didn't see it as easy. Secondly, the other big challenge was that they were going to have to leave the wilderness. Now, the wilderness, in some ways, was a hard time. But it was also a good time, because it was there that the Lord led them. They saw his unique presence. The Lord also fed them with manna, and he gave them water from the rock. That was all going to change, and it was going to be a big transition as they entered the land of Canaan. The third challenge was a transition in leadership. Moses was going to die, and Joshua was going to take his place. And he brings this up several times in the book of Deuteronomy. Listen how he, Moses describes it in Deuteronomy 31. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord has said. So they had a person who had led them for 40 years, and now they have a whole new leader, and it's all going to be different. They wouldn't have Moses' presence, and they would have to now follow Joshua. So transitions in leadership are always big and difficult time. People wonder what's going to happen, how's it going to go? Even when the leader's somewhat bad, it's still kind of anxious to enter into a new leadership. So in light of all this, in light of all these challenges that they faced, what were they supposed to do? What were they supposed to focus on? Well, not the challenges. <laughs> not the challenges. They were supposed to focus on loving God. That's what he was saying to them. Like, you're looking at all this. Don't worry so much about all these things. Here's what you focus on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What he's saying is, hear Israel. Listen to me. Focus on this. The Lord our God. We have one God. He is our God. He has saved us. He has redeemed us, not by our merits, but according to his grace and given us all these blessings. And so how should you respond? In love to him with everything you've got, with your mind, with your heart, with your body, loving the Lord. And so take all his words. 
Make them a part of your life. Meditate on them day and night. Think about them. That's how you're going to love the Lord our God. Now we're going to break that down and I'm going to expand on that and what that means to put it in the context of Deuteronomy. But right now I just want us to, to take a look at that big picture and try to apply that to where we are today in our lives. So in our nation we face many challenges and, and we've seen these kind of come up over the past few weeks with our transition in the Middle East with the coronavirus, which many of us thought was simply in the rearview mirror, and then with the polarization that continues to debilitate us and keep us from being able to do what we need to do. And then there's many other issues besides. So what do we do as we look at all these things? It's easy to become confused. We may not be able to get all the facts. We may not be able to think clearly about all these things. We may have the temptation simply to go along with our side do what everybody else is doing. But what are we supposed to do? Love God. Love God. When you're confused about what's going on in the world, start with what is clear. And what is clear is that you are put here and you are saved and redeemed in order to be a person who loves the Lord. That's what you're called to do. An interesting conversation um, a couple weeks ago with Charles Stromer, and he was just telling me th- some things that um, he had been going through since 2016. He found, as as after the election of our previous president Donald Trump, that uh, he wanted to say some things, but he wasn't sure what to say. And he said, "You know, usually when when I looked at politics and looked at the situation." Uh, I I had something to say that I felt like it was from the Lord. But he said, now I had nothing to say. And he said, it was really strange. So he wrestled with the Lord, he prayed to the Lord, and, and what the Lord revealed to him was this. You don't have to figure it all out. Where is your heart with me? And that was the subject of his sermon, The Refiner's Fire. I think you can go back and listen to that. Where is my heart with God? And in essence, that's what Moses was saying you got a lot of big issues. You're not going to be able to figure it all out. You're not going to know all the things you need to do right now. It may seem confusing. It may seem difficult. You may not be able to see how the Lord is going to provide or who to take care of him. So what should you focus on? Loving the Lord. Where your heart is with God. Now some of you may be in transitions like the Israelites. You know, as, as we walk in our lives together as a congregation... That one of the things that's so helpful is to have a congregation who helps us walk through those transitions. Because we see the people who are young or who are babies growing up. We see those who are older getting older and experiencing some of those challenges. And so you may today be one of those who's feeling like you can't do as much as you used to be able to do. You see your strength waning. You see more health problems. What are you to focus on in the days ahead? Love God. That's what you're here for. Love God. That's what he's saying. That's your focus is. That's where your first priority is. What about you are on the other end? You're busy with new things. You're thinking about all the classes you may take in college or the the things you may do um, 
to where you may go to school or what job you may be engaged in or you're, you're thinking about how to get ahead. Well, don't forget your first priority. Love God. That's what Moses is saying. You got a lot you want to do. There's a lot to do here. Like Joshua, he had to get after it. But what's the focus? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our priority is our relationship with God, where we are with him. And we're going to see all these things. You're going to see all these things that you can do that promise you joy and blessing. But don't forget that God is where the joy is. That's where the joy is. Others of you may be so busy, you're like, I don't even know how I can possibly devote any time to loving God. Well, remember that one thing is really needful, as Jesus said to Martha and Mary. And maybe you can't give an hour of your day to growing in love for God. Well, then give a half hour. If you can't give a half hour, give 15 minutes. If you can't give 15 minutes, give five. But Bring your heart back to where it needs to be. And listen to the Lord. Hear what he has to say to you. Hear of his love for you so that you respond in love to him. My friends, one of the secrets to happiness is wanting the right things. We should want what God wants. And what does God want? He wants us to be people who love him. And sometimes we say, you know, I pray for things and the Lord doesn't answer. Well, maybe that's not what the Lord wants. But we know one thing that the Lord wants, which is for us to be people who love him better and better. So if we pray for that, we can be sure that God will answer. That's what God is doing in this world. And we can be confident of that. And so we can seek that to find our joy, our happiness, our center in him. Because that's what God is doing in the world. Listen to what he says at the end of the book of Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. This is what God is after in this world. That is his first priority. Amen.